You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, everybody. Good to be back. Hey, hey. Donnie Spiker. Hey, guys. How are you? We're good. Greg Hectus. What's up, guys? Welcome. And Steve Thompson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. All right. On the show this week, we'll review the Coke Series race at Homestead, leading up to the championship race at Phoenix. We look at which F1 drivers are sim racers and what their race rigs look like. We'll revisit the conversation about iRacing protests after another prominent streamer is involved in an incident, and we'll check out some top-level wheels in hardware. And remember, if you want to see all this great stuff that we'll be talking about, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all these great topics and products just go to iracerslounge.com and select notes and you can see it all there sim coaches offers the realistic sim racing equipment you need to win more races online it is designed for real racers hydraulic construction makes them feel just like the real thing high quality construction 100 percent leak proof and a lifetime warranty are the key features with these pedals and they look absolutely amazing Check out simcoaches.com and use the coupon code iRacersLounge to get 10% off your purchase. Simcoaches.com is your ticket to feel like you're actually sitting behind the wheel of a car. Drive harder and stay on the limit longer. All right, let's talk eNASCAR Coke Series. We got some information about the finale uh, at the NASCAR Hall of Fame in Charlotte on the night of October 25th. It's going to have the four playoff drivers racing live in front of a live audience. The Steve Letarte, Alan Cavana, Evan Pasoko will be there to broadcast live uh, from the event with Dale Earnhardt Jr. presenting the championship trophy. There is a limited seating opportunity to attend. You can send a request to tickets at iRacing.com and request tickets. Only a max of two. The email must be received by October 17th, Monday. Pretty cool. If I was available or in the area, I would probably try to go. Um, We had a great pre-race interview with Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, Before the race, he was talking about his first win in the Coke series. and he also talked about how competitive this series actually is. Um, and also some discussion about his current crop of Coke drivers uh, for junior motorsports. Other news uh, was dropped during the pre-race. The eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series Championship Trophy will be now known as the Dale Earnhardt Jr. Championship Trophy. And what do you guys think? Uh, it's an old school kind of trophy that Dale actually put together himself. Yeah, I like it. I got a replica Winston Cup trophy up above my head here, and uh, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty close. Um, the top little cup is a little different, um, but I like it. 
Um, that looks good. It's good that they, uh, they're naming the, the trophy after him. It seems appropriate. I mean, he's the director of iRacing. He was the first Coke winner, you know, in the Coke series. And, and he does so much for sim racing and iRacing in general. A real steward of the sport, so to speak. Uh, we had Willie Byron give the command to start the engines. Um, and Brian. Yeah, so uh, and then the green green came out. Uh, so the green flag drops with Casey Kerwin and Vicente Salas leading the field into turn one of the race. There's early trouble for Graham Bowen and Michael Conte. Bowen gets into the wall and Conte has like nowhere to go and, and makes contact. They both save it, but the 48 car has some damage for sure. On lap six, Matt Busa moves his way into the top 10. He's making some news. And on a lap in Lap 11, he's joined in the top 10 by Keegan Leahy, and both him and uh, Zach Novak both worked their way to the top 10. Yeah, scary moment for playoff drivers there, Gramble and Mike Conti. Uh, man, for a minute there, I, I thought they were done, but it turns out their cars were okay. So, Yeah, by lap 12, Matt Busa has moved his way into the top five and is looking good. Up front, Casey Kerwin continues leading with 12 laps in and 88 to go. Uh, lap 16 brings out the first caution as Derek Bordeaux and Jimmy Mullis make contact. Uh, Bordeaux gets spun around but gets no big damage. Uh, Malik Ray will lead the field back to green because he didn't pit with Casey Kerwin alongside. Yeah, and uh, kind of a scary moment when Malik Ray decides to stay out on old tires. Uh, he stays high, though, and they get by him pretty quick there after the restart. Yeah. On the restart, they were they went three wide pretty quick with uh, the new leader on lap 22 being Stephen Wilson. On lap 31, Mitchell DeYoung makes his way to the top five, so he's making a charge until the next caution comes out on lap 34. Now, if you go back three years ago, uh, Zach Novak and Keegan Leahy had a memorably clean finish for the championship race right here at Homestead, Miami, but this race, they can't avoid contact and wind up collecting Bobby Zielinski, uh, uh, Witt, and um, Laprad, but no, no one with serious damage in that uh, in those contacts. Seven, seven cars stay out after uh, the yellow comes out, but the rest come into the pits. Yeah, and so we got some mixed strategy going, and this will play out later as we get through it. After the restart, we see Dylan Alt and Bobby Lezinski battle at the top with Zelensky getting the jump and the lead at Homestead. On lap 42, champion hopeful Stephen Wilson makes his way back into the top five. At this point, Graham Bolin is the lowest-running playoff driver, but he also has the best drop race to fall back on with an 11th-place finish at Bristol. By lap 45, Stephen Wilson has done a great job driving his way to the top of the field. Yeah, and I called it earlier in the year. This guy is the man to beat. He's got the most wins in the regular season, and uh, here he is leading the field uh, late in the playoffs. Well, uh, Mitchell DeYoung, he's not giving up that easy and uh, retakes the lead from Wilson as they go side-by-side side on lap 52. With uh, 40 laps to go, there's a possibility of this becoming a fuel-mileage race to the end. Uh, and with 33 to go, green flag pit stops begin. And after the pit cycle uh, goes through, the running order is Wilson in first, Casey Kerwin in second, third, Colin Keister, Michael Conte fourth, Mitchell DeYoung fifth, Femi Olat sixth, Malik Ray seventh, Vicente Salas eighth, and Michael Guest in ninth. Yeah, and 
we're talking about fuel mileage at this point, you know, with the pl uh, split strategy, those guys who didn't pit, uh, you know, are they going to make it? There's a lot of talk going on. With the laps counting down to 25 to go, Stephen Wilson continues to show the way as he looks to win his way to its to the championship final. If he can hold on, but with 20 to go, it's a new leader as Casey Kerwin grabs the top spot. Uh, Michael Guess is moving forward and into the third spot with 11 to go. With eight to go, Graham Bolin gets by Michael Conti as we watch the live points change in real time uh, until a caution hits with seven to go, changing everything. Parker Ritzlaff hits the wall on his own, slides down to the infield, and brings out a mysterious caution. It was mysterious. It was like he saved the car. He didn't turn it sideways. He didn't stop the car. He just kind of went down to the inside and slowed and cautioned. So was it uh, a NASCAR, you know, itchy, itchy finger on the trigger button caution that, you know, they wanted to bunch him up again? I don't know. But it didn't look like it needed to be a caution. So uh, I wonder if that was the admin throwing it or was that the iRacing uh, software throwing it? I don't know. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot worse uh, wrecks that didn't bring out questions than that. That's for sure. Uh, so uh, everyone yeah, I bet. Everyone comes to pit road after that caution, uh, but Steve Wilson, he wins the race off pit road. He takes just two tires. So with the late restart, the leaderboard is as follow with uh, Wilson in front, Kerwin in second, Guest and Keister third and fourth, uh, Graham Bowen in fifth, Ottinger in sixth, Mitchell DeYoung seventh, Femi Olat eighth, Dylan Vall ninth, Matt Busa tenth. And uh, the race is all bunched up with a natural greenway checker to close out this race. But a caution comes out immediately after the restart with uh, Garrett Lowe and Corey Vincent getting involved when Derek Justice, Justice went to block and pushed the driver all the way to the apron and got turned up back into traffic. Yeah, a tough break for Garrett Lowe, who's one of those playoff guys. Uh, it ruined his chance for the playoff. Uh, but yeah, Derek Justice blocking all the way to the grass. I mean, the guy had a, a nose on the inside, and, and if you're going to drive him down there, you know, you got to leave him room at some point. And, uh, of course, he didn't, and they uh, they hit. So the playoff picture looks like uh, Conti needs to beat Bolin by eight spots to advance, and it needs to be a third place or better as Bolin has the 11th place drop in his pocket. Wilson, Kerwin, Guest, and Bolin lead uh, for a green-white checker number one. A good jump for Wilson on the next restart, and trouble comes out again. Logan Clampett and Vicente Salas are involved. The five went low on Clampett to make it five wide, causing him to move up into the into the guy above, and they all pile up. We also now have Nick Ottinger in the mix. If Nick finishes second and Bowen loses a spot here, he can be in. Green-white checker number two, and Wilson gets a jump again. We finally get the white flag, and Guest tries to run down Wilson, but can't get to him. Steven Wilson is your race winner. He His series' best fourth win of the season punching his ticket to the finale in Phoenix. And don't forget what I said about two tires. He won this on two tires. Um, I mean, this car is works on two tires when the old car doesn't. And I want to point that out. I also want to point out Mike uh, Guest. Uh, is it Michael Guest? Man, he was coming. I, you know, I thought he was, he was going to be the car to beat. Um, he was right there. He was moving forward. But he couldn't get to Stephen Wilson after that great restart, fourth win of the year, uh, and boy, he's moving into the final four.
So Graham Bowen actually crashed on turn four on the white flag lap when Nick Ottinger runs out of gas going into turn three, and Graham Bowen gets knocked out. But he has that P11 fallback um, from Bristol, and he was eight points ahead of Michael Conti. Conti got six, but he misses by three points. So that that drop did have an effect on the uh, championship season here. There was, if there wasn't a drop, Conti would have been in, and Bowen would have been out. That's a junior driver there. And that and that uh, drop week, remember, was due to that restart issue where you had leaders or people starting the race in front of the leaders, I believe. Yeah, it's crazy. Good stuff. Um, these races are always fun to watch. Um, did it not sound to you guys like uh, Steve Letarte was in a closet on a flip phone cell phone for the, for the broadcast? He might have been, but man, I love listening to him talk strategy, you know? why these guys are pitting when they're doing it, you know, what is the mindset? I mean, it really makes it a NASCAR race with Steve. I'm really happy they, they've added him to the mix. Now we got some pictures here of the, of that event where Nick Ottinger ran out of fuel on the final lap, uh, came up into traffic basically and took them all out. This is Homestead and the track is literally blocked all the way across from one wall to the other. I mean, have you ever seen a wreck like that? Yeah, it looks like a super speedway crash. Talladega or Daytona coming to the line. Uh, yeah, Anthony Alfredo looks like he was enjoying the race. He posted a couple uh, screenshots from this. Yeah, Anthony Alfredo is actually the spotter for Briar LaPrade during these races. Uh, is part of dead zone racing, but uh, pretty cool race. Uh, looking forward to the uh, next event uh, live in Charlotte, but at the virtual Phoenix track um, should be an interesting dynamic with the four drivers there in person um, where they're going to bring their own equipment. Uh, you're going to have the broadcasters sitting there in the room with them. So that'll be interesting. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. Sorry that Evan couldn't make it. Uh, he's traveling a lot. He was in Australia last week, and I think he was flying to Dallas or somewhere today. So uh, we try to get him on when we can. Hopefully we'll get him on one more time after the finale. stories let's jump to which current f1 drivers are involved in sim racing a very neat video put together by traxi and gg explores which current drivers are involved in sim racing and what exactly are their setups uh did you guys look at this what do you think uh, who had the best wheel um well um i th think if you if you just go by wheel itself um, Max Verstappen's wheel is like a custom made. It's it's really nice and uh, it's it's awesome. But um, somebody I forgot who it was has that full Aston Martin um, cockpit front that uh, that is probably the best uh, overall looking rig at of, of all of them. Um, you know there was different, a lot of different guy. degrees. Sebastian yeah. Vettel. That's it. Yeah. He drives for yeah, me. He should have the rig. 
he has an actual monocoque from the team, like a proper F1, you know, surround. And so, yeah, his is probably the best cockpit overall. And they did save his for last on the video, you know, as the finale. So I think they agree. I was looking through George's uh, video and he's gone through the gamut of Fanatec product. He at one point had the CSL elite like I have, and then he's got one of the DDs as well as he goes through, but it's just awesome to see. It looks like the majority of the drivers are, which is probably the case now with everybody are on some kind of sim. Yeah. There was actually just a very few of them that didn't have any kind of uh, sim racing experience or, or, uh, or knowledge at least. Um, I think Daniel Ricardo was one of them. Um, and, uh, all the ones, I think there was two or three, like I said, that didn't have anything, but all the ones that didn't said that they're looking to get into it. So I don't know if it's just because yeah, everybody else is doing it or if they think that there might be a benefit to having it, you know? Yeah, Daniel Ricardo said he fears he'd become addicted if he got one. And then Esteban <laughs> Ocon, he, had, he just had a G29 on a little desk with one monitor. Yeah, I think Lewis Hamilton is another one that doesn't, uh, do any sim racing, but maybe in the future. Uh, I was reading the comments to the YouTube video, and, and they're talking about Alonzo. He's almost up to 6K I rating for the roadside. Yeah, Hamil Hamilton said it. he felt it detracts from real racing. That's why he doesn't do it. Yeah, he was actually more involved in the console stuff, right? With the uh, Was it Gran Turismo? Um, I think it was one, one of those console games that uh, he had something to do with. And I I don't know if it was a more of a sponsorship thing that he was involved with, that he was uh, almost kind of obligated to to um, to do some racing on there just to get some exposure to the to the game. But uh, I think that's what it sounded like to me. But otherwise, he doesn't do a lot of competitive online sim stuff. I would bet he was obligated for the sponsors for that one. I think so. I believe he right. some. Well, it's pretty cool. Um, I see. I saw some cube control wheels like mine. Um, maybe a previous version and that high performance wheel from Australia. I've saw that multiple times in this video. You got, you know, uh, Magnuson playing around with those Asetek pedals, those Asetek and Vecta. He seemed to like those. Pierre Gasly, he had a nice rig. He had a brand new D box. That was, that was a not really nice rig. All right, let's move on. Brian, how about the tweet that is no more? Yeah, this was a tweet from iRacing Steve Myers that um, uh, was up and then disappeared. Um, but it was a, he tweeted a link to Mercedes F1 YouTube video titled, What Do F1 Simulators Drivers Do? in a tweet. Um, and Myers mentions that they have received another batch of uh, W13 data. So this is the uh, current version of the Williams car that would replace the one, the W12 that we currently have in the sim. So, um, and we're wondering if maybe him putting that information about that uh, data could have been caused a problem. And maybe that's why the tweet was, uh, was removed. Maybe he, he would jump the gun a little bit on that announcement or something. It's just speculation, obviously, but, um, yeah, it's, it's when, when you know how formula one is protective of their, of their secrets and stuff, you know, it seems likely. He didn't have the tweet up long either. It was maybe minutes or hours, I think. But um, the way that we collect our content, we actually ended up with a screenshot of it. So uh, we were able to uh, keep it and uh, talk about it on the show. Sorry, Steve. I I'm sure you wanted it deleted for all eyes to see. But 
uh, hey, it's pretty cool that you're getting the new Mercedes data for next year already. Uh, here we are only in October. Um, you know, obviously their car's production is underway, um, but it's really neat that iRacing is getting that sneak peek on the data and getting maybe a head start. Did you retweet it, Mike? <laughs> it was gone before before long, but now the video that he pointed out is definitely worth a watch. Um, and it's James Davison, and, and he basically talks about what his day consists of or his week, you know, during a race week. And it's fascinating to, to hear the kind of the process because him and another guy are basically back at the sim with some engineers. And, and as they go through free practice one, free practice two, you know, into qualifying and then the race, these guys back at the sim are pounding down laps, working on setups, trying to figure out, you know, what happens if we take a half pound out of the right rear? What happens if we do this to the spring? What happens if we do that, you know, and trying to dial in the car and then they communicate back to the track. Hey, try this, you know, and, and then they do. And, um, and so it's a definitely a team process when it comes to building setups, uh, and, and the sim, you know, the sim that they have there at Mercedes is key to it. I mean, in those drivers. Yeah, Anthony said wherever they end up on the sim on Friday night is what they end up with on the weekend. So that, that's something else. And the, the engineer, he had some really interesting interesting things to say too it's it's amazing how much work they put into the into the sim since they don't have that much time on track it makes me wonder how much different one driver can be from the next because um for instance stock cars like i probably can't drive your guys's cars the way you drive them and if you have a guy all the way across the world back at the home base putting in setups based off what he believes and then they incorporate that into the weekend like how different are these guys uh, from one another and their driving he styles, talked, I should say. He talked a little bit about that in the video that he, Anthony Davison, I think I said James Davison, but it's Anthony. He has had to adapt his driving style to be more like Lewis Hamilton. You know, he might do it a certain way, but after watching Lewis's laps and, and learning, you know, how he's doing it, he's trying to drive like Lewis is. That's what he mentioned. All right. Then that, that makes perfect sense. Pretty neat. Um, you wonder if NASCAR would ever get to this point where they, you know, they got the Sims running 24 seven back at the shop over the weekend. Probably not with the current uh, financial woes of NASCAR. Yeah, it's interesting too. They were talking that they're, you know, they can test new parts for, for next year and before they ever even put them on the new car or put them on the cars. The simulated part, right? Yep. Yep, exactly like an arrow piece or something and to see how it performs. Right. Yeah. It's a really neat watch. If you guys uh, can go find it. All right, Steve, how about the world's biggest sim racing show? Yes. ADAC sim racing expo announced via Twitter that tickets are now on sale for the world's biggest sim racing show. The event is scheduled to take place on December 1st through the 4th in Germany. So uh, they posted a tweet, and uh, you can go to uh, simracing.link forward slash tickets and uh, purchase your tickets. Uh, the tickets, uh, it says the ticket sales for the world's biggest sim racing show and event of this year is live. Save your weekend trip 
of the year here. So you can go purchase those tickets now. Should be a should be a great show to go see, especially uh, since it's about racing, sim racing. And I've always wanted to go to this too. There's so much cool sim racing hardware showcase there. You know, it's like a kid in a candy store. Yeah, when I started this hobby, I tried to look up conventions because I go to conventions for Star Wars, Comic Con, just about everything that I'm interested in. And I noticed we didn't have anything to a decent scale on this side of the this side of the pond. And uh, so this one's in Germany. I don't think I'll make a trek out there for for a convention, but but it'd be nice if we had something on this side to to go to. So I'm curious that we don't have anything uh, as big as sim racing is getting, but you're right. This is a, this is where you walk around for four days and you look at things you can't buy and you're exhausted, uh, but you do it because you just like, like to be a part of it. All right, cool. Uh, Donnie, tell us what happened with the petite Le Yeah, apparently a server crashed. And according to, to fellow iRacer, Chris, Brunner, Brunner, two post uh, session six fifteen just now. Tons of people got booted all at once. Uh, some from Australia, Europe, the East Coast, and West Coast at minimum. Definitely not an ISP issue. Seems to have been up uh, to twenty people got booted for myself and teammate. It was a hard lockup on the screen, followed by about sixty s of lockup third teammate didn't get booted and he hopped in after toe with no damage and do they respond to this to him no i mean there was another guy luke santos he said same thing happened to us one of our teammates got disconnected at the same time we saw a lot of others getting uh, drivers getting disconnected sessions nine six one five so different sessions uh, Jay Daniels also said the same thing happened to him, and he was in session 9619. So, yeah, something happened with multiple splits where people got dumped. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see this on um, any of uh, the social medias this weekend as being a problem like they have in the past with either start times for the big events and whatnot. Um, so I'm curious of how much was, how many people were affected by this. You know, based on this, Red. I mean, there's only a few posters in here. I never saw anything else negative about the race, so maybe it was a limited amount of people. Okay, Brian, we got to stack them up. Yeah, so uh, this is all about Tyler Hudson, you know, uh, iRacing, uh, iRacing employee and dirt late model racer. Well, he stacked up another win this time, so... Uh, uh, it's the biggest win of his career, he says, on a three-day show. So, uh, yeah, set the quick time, made the last lap corner slide job to win his heat, and put him on the pole for the feature, and he led every lap of the feature to take home a, a huge win. So uh, congratulations again for Tyler and his uh, Dirt Late model uh, sponsored by iRacing. Heck yeah, well done. In the iRacing colors, of course. He also says, none of it would be possible without iRacing teaching me the fundamentals of racing before doing the real thing. What a season. Yeah, this is pretty cool. What Do you guys know what series he races in? I'm trying to find a logo on the car to see if I can figure that out. Yeah, I know, but I mean, it looks like a dirt late model to me. Yeah, like what organization does he run for? I don't uh, know if there's a sanctioning body, yeah. I don't know if it's a sanctioning body or just uh, local races and, and special events that he probably just pops into would be my guess. Yeah, local or regional, I'm not sure. Yeah, well, that's how might, it is uh, around here with uh, the sprint cars. Sorry about that, Mike. No, that's okay. We were talking about running a uh, winter league 
this winter. And Tyler Hudson is usually the dominant driver in that league. And uh, we were talking about that this week. Uh, Donnie, you uh, agreed to join, and um, Steve Llewellyn as well, um, as well as the uh, bunch of rest of us are, that are already in the league. But looking forward to that. Uh, it's coming up soon. Okay, next up, Dan Suzuki doesn't get it. He put up on the Twitter, why does iRacing even have a report system when situations like the following don't even lead to a ban? I don't get it. The driver I reported drove several races after the day, the day after the protest got resolved. So does he and assume, it led to quite a discussion, yeah. So does he just assume you protest somebody they're banned or does he even know the outcome? Maybe they just got a warning and what and whatnot. I, was this the driver's only, he doesn't give much, much information here. He posts a video, which is nice, but he doesn't articulate if this is a you know, habitual offender, uh, anything like that. It just shows an incident um, that I'm sure the guy got, you know, his email back saying, don't do it again, but are you expected to get banned after your first incident? Well, I watched it. I mean, he went on the outside going into the corner and kind of rammed that door banging that guy, you know, and then he came around. I mean, I don't know that the guy turned up into him. It's hard to tell unless you're actually in his car, maybe he got loose or something, or maybe a damage and hit his car. I mean, it's hard to tell from that video. I mean, to me, it looks intentional, but he like, to Donnie's point, even if it is intentional, if it's the first time, are they going to be parked? Probably not. You know, I when I first yeah, came I in, came into iRacing, I was running in the uh, was it the street stocks, and um, I crashed coming off the the front straight there, and I backed up onto uh, pit road, so I didn't have to go all the way around. Somebody turned me in, and I got banned for two weeks just off of that. Whoa. Was it Rookie Whoa. Street Stocks? Yep, Rookie Street Stocks. And I started another account so I could come race. <laughs> <laughs> That's impressive, actually. That'll teach them. There you go. So, um, so yeah, I was going to say about this incident, it's, it, to me, if, if this guy doesn't have a history, I can see them not banning on this one. You know, it, it's one of those things where, you know, if he uh, got upset and made a dumb quick move to, to, to hit Dan, you know, even I can understand that to a point where you just lose it in the moment. It's more the ones like Dave Cam had where the guy is just crawling around on the apron, just casually rolls up the track, you know, for no reason. Those kind of things have nothing to do with racing. It's not something that, you know, this, the, somebody uh, just lost their cool for a second. This was the, the thing that, that Dave Cam had was more of a, a pre-planned, like, or, you know, just complete, uh, complete carelessness for all the other racers in that session. And, uh, you know, he just didn't care about anybody else on that. It was just doing dumb stuff. That thing, that should have gotten an immediate suspension because there's just no, there's no way you can justify that, especially, you know, especially if you consider this guy might not have had any previous uh, warnings or anything. So, I think there's a little bit of difference between the two, um, and uh, yeah, so I kind of I kind of see where Dan Dan might be upset because it looked like it might have been intentional, but I can also see why he might not have gotten one this time. Of course, you know we don't know if there's a history. Maybe there was. Um, so, and and one of the things that Dan talks about is, uh, you know, he said in the tweet maybe take an internship at LFM Motorsports because they know how to handle protests. And that's something else, Dave. Cam talked about in that video last week is how LFM 
um, is a lot more involved in the protest system. They are, are a lot more um, transparent with their information with both the, the protester and the protestee. And they even give like advice. Here's what you did wrong and why we're doing it. Uh, why we're, why we're, why we might be banning you or why, why, uh, how you can avoid this or why you're not being banned, banned this time. So, um, all that stuff was, uh, was stuff that Dave went over in his video and, uh, it's kind of just resurfaced again. Um, I know I missed last week, but um, in my opinion, the protest system should be a little bit more transparent. Whether whether or not they uh, whether or not they're dealing out justice, because because it makes it seem like you're you're making these protests and nobody's really listening. You're just getting automatic response. You don't you don't feel like people are actually taking your things seriously if you don't get any kind of response that some can't email. So that would be my uh, suggestion. Okay, Why so a, a couple things. The LFM you mentioned is the governing body for Acetacorsa Compedazone, Compedazone uh, I believe. Um, I had to look that up because I wasn't sure. I've never played that before. I, uh, in, when I came on the service in 2014, I mean, there wasn't guys cussing on the on the radio or doing any of those things. I mean, it's really changed. They've really kind of opened it up in the last, you know, eight years or so. Um, I think they should give. Uh, I think they should give monetary penalties along. You know, people think different. I used to do that with my customers, training them to ride horses if they didn't do things right. And you know what? They would do them right because they didn't want to pay that fine. <laughs> That's interesting because I really enjoy this service. I enjoy this hobby, uh, but I, I, yeah, sometimes I wish things cost a little bit more to keep people in line. A little, that's a little, little touchy, but I get what you're saying, and I think it could work if done right. They could, they could donate, donate it to a great cause like NASCAR does. So ever since Dave Cam's video about the same topic. There has been a forum thread going in the forums about this, where everybody's weighing in and and giving their two cents. And I I read, you know, I spent a lot of time reading through some of that, and I found a good response that really nails it. And I want to read this. It's from our old friend Bino Van Rensburg. He says, "In my honest opinion, I believe the way the protest system is here is." here is handled here at right iRacing is well suited to the size of the user base and most likely the only real practical way to do it as such i disagree with both you and dave's take on it a couple of days ago i submitted only my third or fourth protest ever for a blatant takeout and i got the member was notified blah 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 email absolutely happy with the communication and the content of that communication by iRacing they reviewed the incident and actioned it. Issue is dealt with, no need for me to know what, what, why, how, and indeed, I have no right to that information either. He says, whatever the punishment metered or not, it's no issue for me, I reported it. People with good experience in these things analyzed it, and I'm happy with the process. If I see the guy on track again, I'll race him the same as everyone else. Life goes on shit happens and report repeated offenders are dealt with so he's got a point i mean you you're supposed to just report it and then move on with your life i mean the whole part of 
oh, I'm going to go the next day into the iRacing website. I'm going to type in the guy's name and I'm going to see if he's been racing. Yeah, that's a YouTuber doing that. Probably, I don't know. I mean, like, who has time for that to begin with? But but whoever responded that, I uh, I agree. He almost said it perfectly. That entire paragraph he typed in. No, I'll, I'll beg to differ. <laughs> I had a, I had an incident, you know, uh, a few months ago where I was intentionally wrecked under a yellow flag. Um, you know. You know, during caution la- caution laps, and I I was out of the race. It knocked me out of the race, um, and I protested it. And I did follow the guy, and he did not lose any time off the sim because I was angry because it wastes it it wasted a lot of my time. You know, you you're you're investing a lot of time and a lot of you know and a lot into these races, and um, just for just for them to uh, get a slap on the wrist. That's again. To me, a, a wreck, wrecking somebody under caution is something completely, you know, some completely under under your control. And if, if you're losing your control to that point, you know, it happened in NASCAR. What, what happened to uh, William Byron? You know, he didn't, I mean, he got to kept going, but he got some kind of penalty after they talked to Rick Hendricks. It was lowered, but I understand that. But, um, but yeah, the, I mean, it was something that NASCAR seriously frowns upon and, uh, and uh, if if they saw him saw it happen, they they probably would have done something about it during the race. I, I just to me, it just it's it seems like I have more I have too much involved. My time is precious, you know. I have kids and stuff, and you know I could be spending time with them. But I love racing, and if some if I, if I, I lose half you know an hour of racing, you know hour of my time racing because some bonehead did something dumb like, I I think there should be a repercussion for it. So, yeah, I, I mean, I agree. In, in that scenario, Brian, you felt compelled the next day to go look up his name, right, and see if he's still racing. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, I agree. After. And another thing, sorry, sorry, I'll let you finish, Steve, here in a sec. Another thing is, um, I will race that guy different. I'm not going to be like Bino and race him the same as everybody else. Cause when I see his name comes up, I know I owe him one. And I, I don't think he was, and if he got suspended, I tell you what, I'm probably would have let it slide the next time I race him. Right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, in, you know, league racing, like in the OBRL, you know, we, that we had a whole committee review committee that watched every wreck, every incident that went on. And those guys, you know, if they were at fault, they got penalties. And then they thought about it next week, you know, because most of the series that we were running were, you know, full length, uh, NASCAR and Xfinity series. And, uh, you know, I really heard him in the point. So there's actually consequences to, to their actions. And they thought about it next time. Oh, let's keep moving. I got a serious discussion iRacing and the situation in Ukraine. Robin Truswell posted in the forums, in a difficult and trying time, excuse me, in a difficult and terrifying time, I don't want this to turn into a political debate or a debate about right and wrong. I just want to check up on those on the service who have been affected by recent events. I want to make sure you're all right, both mentally and physically, in addition to your family, relatives, and friends. My personal messages are always open if you want to talk or confide in someone. No matter who you are or how you've been affected, feel free to contribute to this thread. Let's keep it respectful. You don't know who's, no idea who's sitting around the world and what they've been through. So pretty interesting uh, thread, you know, to, 
you know, reach out and, and to those iRacers that might be in Ukraine or even Russia or other surrounding areas that might be affected. Uh, what do you guys think? I can't open up the, the form link, but uh, anybody responding in there? <laughs> yeah, it looks like no, it looks it. like they uh, nuked the thread. It looks like uh, it was too political. Yeah, I saw that too, and I, I figured that's why it was deleted. Um, you know, it's a it's a nice thing to do to reach out like that, and you know, we are a community, and um, you know, this internet gives us ways to reach out to people on the other side of the globe that are going through a lot of different things that we might not be going through. So, I mean, it, it's a it's a nice thing that they reached out. Um, so, yeah, I can't can don't have any problems with that. It's too bad just the community if, took it south where they had to delete it. Yeah, I just wonder if it was just too hot for iRacing to handle because it can go haywire real quick. That's social media in a nutshell. It can't just be normal. It's got to be taken as far south as it can. Well, I actually replied to this thread before it was deleted. So I will tell you guys what I wrote from memory. I said that I had a great interaction with fellow iRacer from St. Petersburg, Russia. I bought my A-logs sequential shifter from him and i was a little hesitant to be paypal in russia you know rubles you know from the good old united states of america um but i did and and guess what i ended up with the best damn shifter out there i mean that thing is awesome i love the a-log shifter and and ever since this war started you know, I've been worried about this guy. You know, I hope that he can continue his sim business. I hope he can continue to provide, you know, shifters to other sim racers of high quality, you know, like I got. And so, uh, you know, I just, you know, threw out some well wishes for that guy. I don't remember his name, but, um, but yeah, I, I hope uh, he's able to thrive. All right, Dottie, how about uh, an old track around your stomping grounds? Yeah, Riverside was brought up on the Dale Jr. download this week um, on this pack, uh, past week's show. Uh, Jr. was asked if iRacing could recreate a track from the past that is no longer around. Uh, Riverside was brought up as an example. His answer was yes, but indicated iRacing would most likely not uh, do it unless they've scanned everything they could possibly scan that's still around. And uh, the only way they go back to Riverside is if, like I mentioned, if they didn't have anything else to scan anymore uh it'd be cool to see um i grew up during the 80s i was up in the northern part of the state and i only heard of riverside so by the time i moved down here uh, riverside was long gone it was a shopping mall uh, so i never got to see it but i watch old videos of it old races and it just looks like a fun a fun track that would be nice to have on the service there was another old track too just down the street ontario speedway too that they tore down that'd be a great one to have on the service also yeah, both are shopping malls. Um, there, there used to be an oval out here in Ontario as well that, I, that I've that i looked up. That's a miniature version of Indy. It's like a rectangle almost. Yeah, you know, he and Dale kind of alluded to it, like maybe in the future there's some time when they've scanned every track and every car, you know, and, and now what do they do? Well, maybe they can create a Riverside in Ontario. But... You know, I was thinking about that. It's like, man, the the revenue model will have to shift, I think, if we ever get to that point where they run out of racetracks to build. Yeah. Uh, was, it, was Ken Miles killed out in Riverside in a test crash? Yeah, I think so. Maybe, 
I know we still have Willow Springs out here. It's about an hour west of me. And I know they still do some stuff out there. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing that on, on the service, but it doesn't host a lot of uh, big events. So I can't imagine iRacing coming out and scanning it. Yeah, it's a great track. I used to take a Corvette out there, C5, and run it on Willow Springs. Yeah, um, you know, iRacing is a very particular about their tracks and and scanning them, you know, having actual data from the ground. And, um, you know, aside from like the Coke, the, or sorry, not the Coke Speedway, the iRacing Super Speedway, um, you know, everything else is pretty much exactly as it is in the scans and i know they want to stick with that model as much as they can to make these tracks as realistic as possible but you know i don't see why i don't uh, they've, they've gone fantasy with some other stuff and uh, i don't see why they can't do it with some tracks that have um have been abandoned and, and are gone now um, but it's probably just not a priority like junior was saying all right speaking of fun how about uh, brian the iRacing highlights of the week yeah, so uh, I think this is only nine of them, but uh, there were the highlights of uh, the week from uh, iRacing. Uh, some pretty cool stuff in here. Some uh, really cool uh, Formula 2000, uh, three and four wide racing. Uh, really good races at some super speedways. There was one finish at, at Daytona that was like, they call it a park, looked like a parking lot because it was two rows of three and they, the cars were just perfectly lined up going through all six of them. Like AI and lined going up. Going through the... <laughs> It was yeah, you're right. It looked like the AI when they lined up on the on the parade laps. It was so it was so uh, so perfect looking, and then there was another really good finish at Daytona. I think it was the number one one where um, where four, they went four wide on the finish, and uh, yeah, car went right up through the middle to try to try to pass all three of them and uh, came up a little short. Uh, really good racing stuff there. The road races were really good on here as well. Yeah, uh, Mazda Cup at one of my favorite tracks. The Oatland Park, I think it's called. Um, love that track, but side-by-side, uh, side, right up to the checker. Yeah, a lot of close finishes for this one. Yeah, the open wheel at uh, Road America, that was that was great watching those guys going three wide. That was pretty amazing, wheel-to-wheel. -wheel. Okay, yeah, I got this one. Sorry, Donnie, go ahead. Oh, you're fine, Quinn. We got Team UI or Team Website. Ask Blake McCandless on the Twitter, and he got 661 votes. And wow, the UI wins it by just a hair, 50.5 to the member site at 49.5. Was that your vote that got it to 50.5, Mike? <laughs> I did not vote for the UI. I did not. <laughs> I'm surprised it was this close. I've I'm now a I've went back to the member site uh, as of the last couple of weeks, and I've left the UI behind, except to paint. But um, I'm surprised it was this close. You know, you're right, Donnie, and it shouldn't be this close. As much time and investment they've been to the UI, it should be so much better than the member site that everybody should be using it. They haven't gotten it to the point where it's it's more beneficial to use, in my opinion. So I keep using the member site. Um, so I haven't switched over to the UI um, unless I have to do like uh, AI or something that, that you're restricted. But yeah, I, I, other than that, I'm always using a member site. For those of you that create the stuff in the real world, how long is a beta UI supposed to last? Or this might not even be a beta version anymore, but weren't we supposed to lose the website eventually? It seems like it's been going on for quite a while. There must be a, yeah. there must be a reason behind it. 
Yeah, because yeah, that, uh, for, that's 49. Forty-nine and a half percent of the people members still use it. <laughs> That's right. If this if this was a poll was like ninety-five to five, they probably would dump the member site. But it's not. It's crazy. Do you use the member site, Steve? Um, yeah, I use the member sites all the time. But I I, I do use the UI, like you said. For uh, I did for when we have the league races, and also for um, for a for the uh, UI or the uh, the other races, whatever they're called, the uh, ones with the fake cars. I, I will say, I, I totally forgot, but when you click under standings on the member site, it actually opens up another window, at least on my, my setup to the left. And so I'm clicking the thing for a good 30 seconds, not understanding why it's not popping up. And it's just opening window after window after window to my left. Um, it has its pros and cons, but um, as of right now, member site's the way to go for me. Well, you still can upload the uh, results from the UI to like SimHub or Sim uh, Racers Hub for your results. You, when you click on it, you still have to go to the old site so you can download the results and then upload them to Sim Racers Hub. I mean, isn't it about time that all the functionality should have been ported into the UI? I mean, the, the like you said, the league export stat thing you know or stats in general or the ability to use a a, a trackball with that that doesn't have a scroll wheel i mean the the new ui is so bad that you cannot operate it if you don't have a scroll wheel on your mouse did you respond to this tweet mike i did i voted <laughs> i can't no i thought I, I i was reading something you said just recently about the ui I don't know if it was in this uh, tweet reply thread or what. It was probably in our, our team chat, uh, uh, probably about that uh, track wheel thing. It really made me mad uh, because I just use a trackball and I don't have a, a scroll wheel. And, and so their new thing where you can see a layout of the races in a grid, you know, across, you know, it's time is to the left and right and the, the series go up and down. Well, you can only see the the top of it because you have to use the scroll wheel to go down. And of course I don't have one on my computer at all. So yeah, it was fun. It's a thousand times percent easier too on the old member site to make sessions for leagues than trying to do it through the UI. It's very painful. Right. It's supposed to be easier, but anyway, it I digress. For, for a while there, Steve, um, I don't know if it's still the case, but, the um the G seat and and the the G belt did not work if you ran through the UI. There was some kind of communications issues, and that's another reason I was always using a member site. I'm not sure if that's been fixed or not. I haven't tried it in so long. Yeah, I, I never had a I never had an issue with it. Um, I always I pretty much load through through the UI, so I make sure everything works. Okay, Steve, how about Driven, Raja Karuth? Yeah, this was a this was a great video that they did about Raja. It was a an actual interview, and um, he uh, he he lives in the inner city, and I I believe he lived in New York, and now he lives in Washington D.C. But uh, anyways, it's kind of how he started racing on iRacing, and uh, how he made the jump to NASCAR. He applied to uh, Rev Racing in uh, 2000, I believe it was 2018 or 19 for the youth development team. 
and uh, he actually got a ride to race uh, legends, real life legends. And then he applied to the 2020 NASCAR Drive for Diversity, and uh, that's where he he made the cut. The pandemic kind of kind of backed things up at that point for him, but uh, then in 2021 he was able to uh, get into race late models, and then he had a few starts in uh, the ARCA Menard series. And um, he said that the pandemic actually helped him legitimize or helped legitimize sim, sim racing, which really helped him uh, getting a ride. And uh, he said iRacing has helped him uh, develop as a driver. Um, I really like this kid. He's real positive. Um, I don't know. I, th I think he's going to be a really good racer. I watched him you know, the last couple of years in ARCA, and then I watched him drive some truck car truck in the truck series and also some Xfinity rides. So I think uh, I think he's an up-and-comer, and it really says something for, for iRacing for a kid like this from the inner city to move up and actually get rides and, and uh, go the route he's going. You know, I think that's just it, Steve. I think he got the ride. You know, he got the opportunity due to his circumstance, and you know, they're looking for that diversity in NASCAR. They're looking for that, you know, hey, how do we get a tie into the, the inner city youth and all this stuff? So it, he's a perfect fit. You know, when he went to apply for the Drive for Diversity program, he already had some starts in Legends, like you said. He's got some iRacing background, so he knows a little bit about racing, even though he never came up through go-karts like most of them. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, good for him to, to make an opportunity for himself and, and make the most of it, and, and he actually is. Yeah, listening to the beginning part of the video, I had to look up his age because he was name-dropping some shows that were that were on before he was born and went away before he was born, and he was he was just going on about how he'd watch every single programming there was about uh, for NASCAR. He'd watch all the stop-motion videos on YouTube, and he just really got addicted to racing, and then obviously... Um, starts on the on the sim programs, but um, yeah, it's awesome. I follow this uh, this kid as much as I can, just because he has that connection to what we do, um, and it, it's just exciting. So hopefully, it works out for him. I think he's got a good head on his shoulders too. I mean, every time he's gotten into an incident, you know, he he takes it to heart and le and learns from it in real life. So he doesn't he's not a blamer or anything else. He's a learner. I'm kind of hoping he gets to skip the truck series and go to Xfinity because it seems like you can develop more out of that series as unless you are in a really good truck in the truck series. But it seems like the truck series has lost its way the last couple of years. But if you can go to the Xfinity series, uh, develop there, that'd be nice. I know that they might pull up uh, that Haley Deegan lady uh, to the Xfinity series next season. Hopefully that works out for her as well. Yeah, I hope it works out for her because, I mean, well, her team's changing, too, to Toyota, so she's a Ford driver. So hopefully she does get Xfinity ride and get to go see what she can actually do and drive because that truck series is definitely a tough, tough deal. Okay, Brian, we got protested for flashing. Uh, yeah, so we were just talking about the protest system and how that stuff uh, you know, may or may not be what everybody desires. Well, according to uh, Charlie Lord in iRacer, iRacing Drivers World, um, he was successfully protested for using his flashers in a uh, in a uh, GT race. So um, 
and he, he posted the the outcome of the protest and and uh, he wasn't suspended or anything, but they did give him a warning about uh, you know excessive flashing of his lights with other drivers. So apparently, you know, that might be worse than spinning somebody out under caution. I don't know, but uh, yeah, apparently they take that serious. Yeah, I'd like to get David's opinion on this because he does a lot of the road multi-class racing. But this is another protest where we're going to talk about that we don't have any really context, so we don't get to see the video. What, how was he flashing his lights? Is it a problem for you guys when you guys are riding in front of somebody flashing? So I want to say, is it in the sporting code that you can't flash your lights? I don't think it is. So this, this one kind of threw me. So imagine I'm in a, a GT race or whatever, IMSA race, and I got my finger on that flashing button, and imagine me flash it the whole race, like nonstop. Should I be protested for that? I don't think so. I think well, Hectus, Hectus was protested for flashing, but I think it was a different part of the track. I know it's just in the few multi-class races I've been a part of, the flashing's never really even crossed my mind to even bother me. It's just the guy flashing his lights behind me. Um, maybe I got to adjust my mirrors better so I can see the flashing better. I don't know, but um, I'm curious what this guy was actually doing to, to warrant a protest to begin with. Well, apparently he was, quote, getting in another driver's head is what probably the person who protested him did. You know, he was trying to get into his head by flashing him a lot, I guess. Um, and, you know, if you're, if you're racing with somebody and you're, and you're having trouble passing them or something and you start flashing them because you think he should give up his spot, you know, I could see that as being an issue. I mean, that's not what the flashing is for. There's, there's a right way and a wrong way to, to use the flashing, you know, if you're in a multi-class and the LMSs are flashing you because they're coming up quick, that's that's no problem at all. That's good, but I do think some people use it just to try to uh, to try to intimidate other drivers or 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 assume that their spot is is theirs. You know that you should I should have your spot, so I'm going to flash you till you give it to me, and not race them for it. So. And that's going to be uh, probably difficult to determine as a you know somebody who's reviewing these races, but I can see where that would be an issue. Okay, maybe same class car, and they're relatively the same speed, and one car is yeah. having trouble overtaking. Yep, yep. So now he's just going to start flashing. All right, now yeah, that, exactly. that makes a little bit more sense. And if it's not, and that's in the way the I understood code, the protest. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's in the sporting code. They probably need to add it if they want to go ahead and and add this to the to the list of whatever, but I don't think it should be protestable. Um, well, I thought before the Daytona 24 hours, didn't they post something about flashing? I thought, I thought they did at one point right well, before Daytona. Maybe, um, I, it, I had to look that isn't up. Isn't it again. more of a, a gentleman racing agreement? You know, Hey, you're supposed to use the flashers to let the slower car know, Hey, I'm a faster car. I'm about ready to overtake you. That's what it's really for. But it's kind of, to me, I mean, the flasher is almost like the blue flag. I mean, what does the blue flag mean in iRacing? Can you get protested for not heeding a blue flag? I don't think you can. No, and you're not supposed to necessarily supposed to give up your position if you get a blue flag. You know, it's just really me. It just means to, you know, hold your lines and do things that won't make it difficult them for to get around you, you know, if, if they get, you know, if they're faster than you, um, I don't think it means that you have to pull off the track or anything. 
Well, we'll have to see where this one goes. See what David says next week. Yeah, I'd like to know his opinion on this. He races the most multi-class, I believe. Yeah, probably. And, right. he, yeah. and he's usually the faster car that's overtaken the slower one and probably using his, his flashers. To be continued okay. with this one. <laughs> All right, Donnie, you got the IMSA Global Championships. Uh, the IMSA, Mobile, or IMSA Esports Michelin Global Championship kicks off this Sunday at Road Atlanta. Um, and it's through uh, IMSA's uh, Twitter account, and they're tagging iRacing, so it's going to be an iRacing uh, championship. And I'm looking at it. Is it the touring cars? I'm trying to see through the picture there. Looks like it might be the, the touring cars. Yeah, they got a website here at IMSA.com about it. $25,000 purse in a four-race series. It will be broadcasted. Uh, GT3 and touring cars. The series enables pro sim racers and teams to develop close working relationships with eight manufacturers. It's going to be a lot to... We talked about an IMSA series uh, a few shows ago. It wasn't this one, I don't believe. So this looks like something completely different. So it's it's getting getting to be a lot to to keep track of because is this an official iRacing event? Because I'm reading the logo here, it just says IMSA Esports. Looks like they're going to utilize the iRacing service to to accomplish it. It's pro drivers um, doing it, so this isn't open to everybody. So it's like the pro invitationals for the NASCAR side. Exactly. So you got actual IMSA drivers uh, competing here. Basically, that's the way I read it. Well, that's cool. More the more the merrier. It should be fun to watch. I'm going to try to catch one of the broadcasts. All right. Yeah. So it'll be. Uh, you might. You might have said this, Mike. I apologize, but all races will stream on iRacing and VCO YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch accounts. All right, uh, Steve. We got a drop. Season four, patch two. Yeah, I saw that on here. Oh, here it is. Um, yeah. Here, let me open it up real quick. It is. So it looks like uh, this drops. Did it drop today or yesterday? Actually, yesterday. This morning. This morning. Um, yep. So, anyways, they they had uh, some changes. They had race control at small tracks with very slow space speeds. A calculated green flag zone has been extended further back from the start finish line, leaving more time for race systems to calculate correctly. It says the, this. Uh, Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say the LFE they adjusted where if any engine exploded, you would hear it as if it was your engine exploding. <laughs> and I think I've heard that before because I got this monster sub. And when that happens, it's just like the whole house blows up. That would be irritating. Um, they also, in AI racing, they fixed an issue with AI aggression where sudden and large steering inputs could occur when two or more AI drivers were side-by-side -side on the road courses. And they also fixed an error where some AI drivers' ability to estimate fuel consumption. I guess they must have been running out of fuel, huh? Sporting code, adjusted information, location, and details about tanking behavior for clarity. Ooh. I don't see nothing about flashing headlights, though. Nope. Yeah, it looks like they've updated uh, some cars and um, a few tracks with some some minor issues. Hey, last night, um, going back to the top one, race control. So this has never happened. As in a B Open race, we were um, Las Vegas, and I got the lucky dog. Uh, there was a pro driver in my race. 
he was right behind me and we were catching up to the pack. And as we were coming off of four, catching the green flag, it waved, I believe, uh, all the cars in front of us around to where we were now one, two, but we were in our, I think, 16, 17. So we took the green as not the leaders, but the lead of the pack. We took off and then the leaders were right behind us. It was kind of odd. I don't know if it's a, if it's a glitch happening now. Um, and this maybe fixes it or, or what, but I've never experienced it. And it was kind of odd. No, that happened to me, I want to say four or five weeks ago. I think I mentioned it, but yeah, that was a small track though, right? I think it was Bristol that you, that happened to you at Yeah, this is a big mile and a half. I didn't think, uh, you think there's enough time in the AI that they could figure that out. Yeah, I think we Almost. had this happen in a league race at Michigan. Now, we're going to talk about this in the, the Coke series uh, uh, segment, but it also happened in the Coke race. Um, they had a problem with with people were starting in front of the leaders, and that and they actually added a drop week to the playoffs because of that, and it's affected who made the, the final cut that drop week, actually. It's, not, it's wild that they allow the Coke race to be um, an automatic – officiating sounds like they could just have somebody up there pushing buttons i think they do but maybe they have them both turned on where they can do both let's jump to final or to events uh brian you got d box nascar international series yeah so this is uh for our international nascar drivers um starting october 11th will be the daytona beach uh 500 kilometer uh, race. Um, so uh, that's going to start a five race schedule, including races at um, Nuremberg, Nuremberg, sorry, Nuremberg. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's all I got right here. So, but it's a five series race starting up in Daytona for uh, the international NASCAR drivers uh, in a new series. Uh, actually, this is an older series, but uh, it's presented by D-Box now. This is a new sponsor. So kind of like that IMSA thing where you get real race car drivers running a short series uh, to be broadcast. So interesting. So, yeah. So also is going to be uh, Las Vegas Canadian Tire, um, Circuit Zolder, Darlington. Uh, interesting uh, combination of racetracks there. All right. I got this one. Road to the World of Outlaws is underway. Looking to make it to the top of the virtual dirt racing world, the road starts here. So the first qualifying event for that Sprint Car Series uh, begins tonight. Now, this was earlier this week, so it's already started. Um, so if you guys want to make it up into the dirt, man, now is the time to, to be in those Sprint Car races. And then, Donnie, uh, tell us about the IWC Fastest Lap Challenge. Now, we asked Greg to participate in this, and I think he uh, said he was still about a second off. Yeah, which is good. He, um, The IWC Fastest Lap Challenge began on the 10th, so about three days ago. Uh, look at the key. You register through the IWC portal and then hop into the time attack on iRacing. Now, I believe... Um, I was trying to follow along you and Greg's conversation in the, in the group chat, but you only register if you don't have an iRacing account and then you get like a free 30 day trial. Is that correct? You can, um, but I think you still have to go to the portal to get involved in the next uh, part of the challenge. So the first part is just to get uh, the fastest time up 
and this is challenge number one, and there'll be other challenges. All right, and this is uh, you driving the Mercedes W12. Um, you either have to pick Team uh, Oppner or Team Russell, and uh, you just go through the various time trials. What track? It looks like they're at uh, Silverstone. I believe that's Silverstone. Well, yeah. Or is that? Yeah, it is. I'm looking at the. Is that uh the or the picture inside the the tweet? Is that a spa? No, Silverstone. No, you're right. You're right. Sorry, Silverstone. So cool. Greg being a second off, that's good. Um, maybe he'll talk about it during final thoughts later in the show. But uh, we have one team member uh, trying for it, going for it. So we'll see how it goes. All right, Brian. Toys for Tots Jingle Jam. Yeah. So uh, this is uh, from the Sim Racing Channel, the ones that uh, you can find on your Roku device, and uh, also uh, the show there. Uh, they're going to be hosting the ARS Racing Toys for Tots Jingle Jam Charity Race. So it's going to be live on their channel on December 17th. So more details are going to be coming soon. Save the date. Yeah, any of us? I, I think it's a Saturday. I was looking it up. I got this confused with what Greg was talking about pre-show. Uh, but do any of us plan on doing this one as well? No, this is what he was talking about pre-show. This is uh, They want to do that wheelbarrow racing that you were doing, Brian, the other day with uh, Chris McGuire. Yeah, I would. I want to touch on that since I wasn't here last week to talk about it. Uh, we did the Radicals, right? It was at Michigan, I believe. It was one of the big, bigger two-mile ovals. And uh, yeah, the car in the lead. I was in the lead. I shut off my Radical, completely turned off everything. And then Chris McGuire got behind me and literally just shoved me around the track. And like, you know, it, it takes a little bit of skill uh, if you're the one being pushed because, you know, you have to kind of keep your eye in the mirror to try to line up your bumpers. The Radical's bumpers actually lined up really well. Um, and he just shows you around. And, you know, if you can get a couple of these cars going at the same time, it, you know, it's it's a, it's a blast. And uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I tell you what, though, when I was doing that in my rig, I, I was in motion. And it, I was every time he would bump me, which is, you know, every couple, you know, a couple times a second almost, I was getting bounced around like crazy. I might turn off the motion if we wind up doing it, something like that, because it was it was jarring, but it was a lot of fun. And I can see if you can get a whole bunch of cars lined up to do this, it would be it would be really a good time. And apparently on this one, they're thinking about, you know, after after one guy pushes for so many laps, you kind of switch places, and then uh, the other car drives. And uh, so yeah. It was a lot of fun when we tried that out with us, Chris McGuire's group, and uh, I look forward to hopefully we can uh, pull this off. Yeah, so this is December seventeenth, Mike, and Greg was talking about Thanksgiving weekend. What what's that about? Hmm, I don't know. Maybe he's confused. <laughs> All right, so this one for sure, December seventeenth. I put that one on my calendar to see. And we'll just um, look for the updates as they come. We don't know car, we don't know track, uh, nothing like that yet. No, they're trying to plan it out. I think Greg had a meeting with them, and uh, they had some ideas. Like Greg was, I mean, like Brian was mentioning, but that's all I've heard. So uh, more to come. Next, the 2022 Crandon Championship is uh, still on the books here, guys. And so, if you want to get involved, you certainly can. Yeah, it's uh, October 19th through October 23rd. Um, on October 19th through the 21st, there's two time, sp time slots. 
Um, you can look on the link posted in our chat here for the exact times. And then October 22nd, 23rd, open sessions, taking the top 20 overall points from the race week. And uh, anyways, they've got some different splits. There's uh, split sizes are 20, practice is 10 minutes, qualifying seven minutes. And uh, anyways, it looks like it'd be a lot of fun. So go check it out, Grandin Pro Four Championships. And you can check it out on uh, iRacing. Yeah, that's next Wednesday, uh, Thursday um, to get in. And then we have the SCC, SCCA runoffs October 22nd. Now, that's not this weekend, but next weekend. And iRacing put out their downshift podcast earlier today, guys. And I got to hear a little bit uh, of it, not the whole thing. But Greg West was saying what a cool event this is going to be, how they have all these different cars, and, and you just pick which one are you going to run. You know, you Formula V, Spec Racer, you know, Mazda, Miata, you know, the F2000, um, and there's a bunch of them. And so, you know, get involved. It sounds like fun. Yeah, I was looking at the car list. Um, curious why they don't put the W12 or the jet car and something like this, it gives somebody a reason to maybe buy it or maybe run it again in an official setting. Um, I just, man, part of me wishes this was one month into the future. I'd give it a go. I guess, I mean, the SCCA has certain cars that are, that it actually has on their, on their actual uh, runoffs. And I guess they're just sticking with what's actually in the real SCCA runoffs. You're absolutely right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I was deep in thought on that one, but no, you're right. There's a new set of pedals entering the market and they look promising. Sim Coaches is finally releasing a set of load cell pedals. They've taken their years of knowledge building pedals and created a set of load cell pedals at an affordable cost. No longer worry about not being able to fill the car under your feet or wondering where the limit is. Have confidence as you enter corners and know the car is going to stick. There's no higher quality pedals on the market. They're even offering their lifetime warranty with the pedals. Take the leap and upgrade to SimCoaches today. Go to SimCoaches.com to pre-order your set of load cell pedals and say big when you do. Use promo code iRacersLounge. You won't regret it. Okay, podcast housekeeping notes. Don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers during the race so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. You can find us on Discord. Great discussion going over there. You guys are missing out. Um, I've actually presented a parts list for my new project to buy a, a new semi-cube wheelbase. Um, I've had some friends in, in the Discord checking my work and, and providing uh, some other ideas and information. Uh, Donnie, it's been good uh, having chat in there and having somebody back up some of our ideas with some other thoughts. Yeah, that's no, good. I was following that along because we're in the same market for the same wheel. And I think we're both done waiting for the 27th. Yeah, it looks like uh, one person in the Discord told us or found a uh, post from Granite Devices who makes SimuCube saying that the upcoming announcement is not a new or updated wheelbase. 
Yeah, and that was from the makers of SimiCube itself. Did you guys honor your wheels? I have. I, I, I can't afford it yet. I'm going to have to wait. Yeah, I, part of me wants to wait till Black Friday, but something else is coming out on Black Friday that I, I was told not to discuss yet. But um, yeah, I probably into the month I'll go. But I have a micro center here about an hour away from me that I'm going to go in person. They got the, um, the hub adapters and quick releases as well. All right, don't forget the website where you can see everything we're talking about. And we are in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network and the Sim Racing Channel on Roku TV. All right, Brian, fantasy. All righty. So, uh, uh, yeah, the race is really uh, winding down now in the uh, fantasy. Uh, louder Racing maintains his lead in the overall standings with Obaby 44 in second, Ray J in third, Scotty Boy in fourth, and D-Train 89 in fifth. So uh, Louder's got a 51-point lead going into the final few races of the season. Not Certainly not anything that's not overtakeable you know he's he's definitely uh within reach of oh baby and even uh J ray j has a has an outside shot of taking the uh, overall championships um frozen cactus that's uh of course that's greg's greg he's a uh, he's the top tofosi guy in ninth place no one else is in the top 15 from tofosi so he's kind of walking away from this one i'd like to see uh, i'd like to hear from tony grows before this is over see how how his season went because he's been really good with this lately but not too good this year uh overall for uh, for the race on sunday at charlotte uh D trickle dickle trick dickle was uh the uh, winner of the week with uh, 201 points but uh greg did finish second in the charlotte race so uh, good job for greg smiling ninja was third mud dog fourth and tied with mud dog was cletus 45 uh steven lou allen uh, our, uh one of our drivers from tofosi he's in seventh tony uh, the tiger rochette is in eighth for the week so uh yeah, not a terrible week for uh, all the Tafosi guys, but um, you know, none of us are really making a push for any championships. That's for sure. Yeah, I fell hard on the. I fell hard on the playoff standings. I uh, spent the weekend in Vegas, and I could not remember. And it's just dis disheartening. So for the overall leaders up there, the Louder Racing, it's a testament of their commitment to remember this uh, every week. Certainly. Uh, yeah, so it's have fact, to, yeah. I'm sorry to, sorry to Donnie, uh, but it, not, not just their commitment, but they're probably watching the racing and making adjustments live. And that's a big deal when you're, when you're doing this, uh, when you're doing these fantasies. you got to watch the races and, and know what's going on. Yep, that's key. So hope, maybe next year I'll set a Google reminder on my calendar to remind me to do my lineups. But uh, it killed me in the regular season. It just killed me in the playoffs. So it's a bummer. I'm uh, consistently second to last every week, it seems like. I'm never last. I'm second to last. Kurt Busch is retiring Saturday. Take him out of your lineup. <laughs> Him and, and Bowman. Whoa. Bowman's not running either. <laughs> He's got Bowman and Kurt Busch in his lineup. That's not good. That's why. Damn it. <laughs> Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Hardware software is brought to you by Supreme 3D Printing. Are you looking for that next sim rig upgrade? Or maybe your man cave needs a little more style? Or is your wife wanting to redecorate your home? Well, we here at Supreme 3D Printing have you covered. We create and print tons of different and useful items 
that is sure to fit everyone's style and budget. If you don't see what you're needing, then feel free to contact us for your needed item. Check out us on Etsy at Supreme 3D Printing. All right, Steve, coming this October. Yeah, we got a tease from uh, VPG Wheels on their Instagram account, and uh, they say, oops, we did it again. Something revolutionary is coming in, a, in October. Stay tuned for more information. I went and looked at it, and uh, it looks like LED lights, maybe LED wheel, steering wheel, with different being able to program the, the lights on it. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's certainly a steering wheel. I mean, VPG... Uh, we've talked about their Elemento wheel before, and uh, they're obviously having a, a new wheel come out here in October. So when we saw that uh, F1 driver's uh, sim rigs video, if you guys look closely, you would have seen VPG wheels on several of those guys' rigs. Yeah, it's going to be a, a wheel-heavy episode, it looks like. But, um, yeah, these look good. I'm cruising their site now. Um it says VPG Sim registered as VPG Sim Lab. So Sim Lab own this company as well? Yeah, maybe. Maybe you've uh, stumbled on something I didn't know. Yeah, but they got good looking wheels. Uh, you can't really tell what the new one looks like, but what Steve was saying, something about the LEDs, that looks like that's what they're teasing here. But um, yeah, all their other wheels look, uh, look nice. Yeah, high-end wheels uh, for sure. This is based out of the UK. Now, Donnie, let's go to the next one out of France. Yeah, we covered this one a few weeks back, the P1 uh, Sim Arnage. Uh, that wheel is about to ship to customers who bought it. So if you bought the, the P1 Arnage, uh, look out. It's coming your way pretty soon. This is, you know, this is a unique design, it, you know, because it's the upside-down U, you know, the grips. Normally it's, it's, you know, uh, or I, I should say it's a right side up U. Normally it's an upside down U, but it's a right side up U, I guess, if that makes sense. So it's got a different look that way, but also notice the display is vertical instead of horizontal down the middle of the, the wheel, which is a, a very unique design. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a wheel where the display is vertical. Yeah, it looks like a phone in there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Do I don't know if they're using like SimHub or something like that for their uh, the display readouts. Do they do their typically um, work in a horizontal position like that? I guess whatever I you do. can configure them on, they'll, they'll have their own hardware and, and SimHub as well. Um, just however they configure their their programming, I guess. That's a good point. I mean, I don't think I've seen dashes that are vertical. But I'm sure, you know, because this wheel exists, there must be at least one. Yeah, I don't know if they use their own proprietary information as far as that goes, or like I said, if it runs off something like SimHub or something like. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting because when I have my, when I've used SimHub with my phone in landscape and, you know, you see everything, but when you turn it vertically, I don't think it, uh, it um, translates just as well. I could be wrong. I know when I was watching the Cube Controls review, which is upcoming, they were talking that you can actually go in and write your own programming for however you want the screen to be. So maybe that's what you can do here also. Yeah, if you're nifty enough, right? Yep. All right, Steve, how about more about the 4090? Yeah, I did quite a bit of research on the, on the 4090 this week, um, which was pretty interesting, but... 
after I ended up purchasing one yesterday, I got lucky and got one bought on Egghead. I didn't get, yeah, I didn't get the one I wanted. I wanted the water cooled one, but I ended up getting a, uh, a gigabyte OC 490. So it's supposed to be it's supposed to be here tomorrow. So I'm kind of excited about it. Um, but all the reviews I watched yes, well, I watched the reviews for the NVIDIA 4090 itself. And uh, they talked about the uh, the cooling on it and and uh, how well it cooled. Um, it didn't seem like they had any issues with power at all. Um, and all the reviews are showing that they're you know up to 80% faster than the 3090 Ti, 45 to 40% to 80%. So it's definitely seems like it's a great upgrade. How many slots is the card you got? It takes three, which that's what my 3080 takes, so it shouldn't be an issue. Oh, so you're jumping in head first. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah I, I went on and got, a, or, you know, got on the computer at 6 yesterday morning and had all the sites up. And, and uh, it was kind of interesting because I had another piece of software that was up that was telling me, you know, when cards were available. And uh, so I was able to... Uh, the egghead was releasing them like every three or four, three to five minutes. And so I got lucky and got one. So you're planning a fresh new build or you just drop it in your same box? Um, I'm just going to drop it in my same box. The build I want to do, um, it not the motherboard I want stuff isn't available yet or the, uh, or the, uh, power supply or the memory is not really available either. So, um, it'll probably be a couple months before I'm able to do the new build. I'll probably do the a AMD, the the nine series. Right. All right. Sounds pretty cool. Steve, you won't need a new motherboard for this card, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, you'll need a new motherboard for the new Ryzen nine. Oh, for the Ryzen, yeah, but not for the forty ninety. Yeah, just no, go not the for, regular yeah. GPU spot. Okay. Okay. Yep, that's correct. And then the next uh, review here is basically the same thing um, from this guy. He he gave, uh, they did all the uh, reviews on the 4090 as far as, uh, you know, different games and the heat and, you know, what it was doing. And that's on the, uh, on the uh, NVIDIA 4090 itself. That came out uh, the day before they were released. So um, it's, it's a good read if you guys want to see all the, uh, how all the games react to it, but it's definitely everybody says it's a great upgrade. So, not especially if you're if you're you know have an older older card and you can run it. So nobody on iRacing's tried it yet. Um, I was on the forums last night and people were talking about it. And uh, somebody said that Will Ford from Boosted Media bought a 4090 yesterday as well, and he intends to put a video up very shortly. Uh, to um, you know, show how irising works on the 4090. So we should have a video next week on this. Um, I don't know how quick you're going to get yours up and running, Steve, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I, I did see uh, last night in the uh, VR forum on iRacing, there was a couple of guys that went to uh, stores, I guess Best Buy or whatever, and were able to pick up uh, 4090 cards. But they have the the two that I saw that were having issues had uh, the was it the Vario 
headset, VR headset, and they're having mm -hmm. uh, horrible stuttering issues. So I'm I'm hoping that's just with that headset. I hope it's not with mine because I've got the HPG too. So we'll, we'll see. I guess uh, tomorrow or on Saturday. That's that's kind of a big deal too because you know those kind of real these these real high end cards now are. are really well suited for those high-end vr headsets to get the best out of them yeah imagine buying the 1500 dollars card you got your 1500 dollars varro headset and you put them together and damn it it's stuttering it's stuttering why is this happening i i bet you they're pulling their hair out yeah they uh you know they they had tried different drivers and all kinds of things and then the guy backed his driver up and put his old 3080 back in that he had in, had that he had taken out and everything ran smoothly so you know I know David uh he had problems with his 30 3090 didn't he with the with his yeah. HPG2 and then they finally rectified that so who knows they gave, they sent him some kind of adapter cable adapter that's right Okay, I got the next one. We got another look at the Cube Controls CSX3. Uh, this time it's YouTuber Lawrence Dosawa. He provides his review of this wheel. And as I've stated before, I mean, this thing looks exactly like the wheel I purchased, but it has a screen. Um, otherwise, they're pretty much identical. Yeah, I watched, I watched this video and he said there's no reason to upgrade from uh, the wheel you have he said unless you want the screen but other than that it's it wouldn't be a great upgrade well or the the previous version uh they have a csx2 that had the screen and i think he was referring to that one as well i mean uh they're pretty much the same so why release something that's pretty much the same what's the what's the benefit in this wheel well there are some differences from the two to the three uh, and, and some of the key ones were the, the, the way the cable connects with the magnet. In uh, the old version, they had to screw it on. It was a screw-on connector. Um, and so I don't know what else besides the magnet. There were a few little little things like that. Do you have dual clutches on your wheel, Mike? Yes. I know he said he missed the uh, little wheel, too, on the on the left side of the on the, the left side clutch. yeah the yeah, bike he said he really yeah there's a there was a wheel on the left lower left side on the old version where you would set the bite point for the clutch the secondary clutch and now the way they do it they do it in the software so you actually have to open up the the executable and there's a little slider where you set the bite point so it's a little bit different how they did it um and they got rid of that, but that was just that was one other change, yeah. He he really didn't like the screen on it. He said that uh, that it was uh, the way it set in into the wheel. It was really hard to be able to go in and touch it and and move things around and and operate it operate it from there. Because um, it's it, yeah, it's receded so. And then in GT position, when he would look down at the wheel, the 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 reset because it was so recessed, he couldn't even see the top part of the screen. He did say that he liked the grip feel to it, though, a little bit better. It's a great wheel. I, I'm real happy with what I ended up picking. Um, I'm also happy I didn't wait for this, or um, I don't need the the 
I don't need the display. I mean, I was trying to think, do I really need a display? And when I was racing the other day, I'm, I'm trying to pay attention to what am I looking at, you know? And I'm looking at the track, you know, I'm not looking down at the display on the wheel for, for God's sakes. And, and if there was information there, I don't think I would even be using it. Yeah, I can see that. I've tried to run overlays in my, in my, in my G2 and it's just way too much for me. I have a hard enough time driving without anything on there. Yeah. So we actually have three videos on this wheel this week in the script. So if you guys are interested, make sure to check it out. Okay, Donnie, tell us about a few front mounts for a semi-cube wheelbase. Yeah, so there's going to be a, a, a couple options you have. Uh, one will be from SimCore, and that's a video through Boosted Media that he released uh, not too long ago. And another one uh, by Trek Sim Products. Yeah. The SimCore one looks, I was... looks beefy. Yeah, go ahead. The SimCore one looks like it's it could hold anything up. Um, and the Trexim one is nice as well. Which one are you leaning towards, Mike? I'm going to go with the SimLab one. Uh, we didn't put a link for that one, but the original SimLab front mount. Now, I was definitely debating the SimCore stuff from Australia. And like you said, it just looks freaking awesome. But yeah. the problem I have with it is these the the mounts that they provide hook directly to the uprights. Now, the way the SimLab P1X is, even on my current mount, it actually juts out forward to the seat about six inches before it goes across. So it's not, the wheel doesn't mount directly between the two uprights, it's forward of the uprights, so about six to eight inches. And so this particular mount really doesn't accommodate for that. And it would mess up my whole rig design because I have the computer tray literally right behind the wheel. And if I was to use this mount, it wouldn't work. I would have to move the computer. So I nixed the idea of the SimiCube, even though I love how it looks. And I'm just going to go with the, uh, the SimLab, you know, front mount uh, piece. A big old piece, you know, one inch thick piece of metal. It's not going to flex at all. Um, but yeah, I detailed out the parts list of I'm going to buy that um, and uh, uh, two hubs and then the base. Yeah, same here. I'm going with my uh, rig rig supplier as well, uh, Advanced Sim Racing for its SimCube mount. So even looking at these two options are good options, uh, but I'll, I'll go with uh, keep it uh, within the same rig family. That way they've already got it figured out. This, the sim core was really interesting, especially the as the adjustability to it. That's what I, what I really liked about it was, you know, it going the the angle and the pitch that you were able to adjust it at. That was pretty neat. Very easily too. You just undid a couple little uh, screws on either side, and you're not like changing the entire mount to 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 twist this thing one you know one direction or the other. And everything was really clean, especially, you know, with the Allen head bolts, everything was recessed. And I mean, it was really, really nice hardware. But I, you know, I realized after looking at this thing, oh man, I'd have to redesign everything. I'd have to move the seat. I'd have to move the pedals. I'd have to remove the computer. I mean, everything would have to be redone if I tried to integrate this into my system. So I'm not going to do it. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. All right, Brian, we got another wheel. 
the complex shim works dash component. Yeah, so uh, this is actually a dashboard for dashboard. Uh, you know for your setup. It's not an actual whole wheel, but it's a, um, a LCD screen, a five-inch uh, screen with a twenty. Lost you. You got me now. Yeah. Okay, so uh, sorry, it's a five-inch Vocore screen, twenty-inch customizable or twenty customizable LG RGB LED lights with one single USB connection, and it's running uh, two fifty. Um, so it's a uh, you're, you're pretty standard uh, dashboard mount. Um, I can tell you that uh, Complex SimWorks is Etsy, is on the Etsy store, um, and I've actually bought a. Um, a product from them. I bought an iFlag from them, and I can tell you that I had no problems with the purchase. They came pretty quick, um, and uh, all the instructions were there, and everything worked really, really well for for what I bought from them. So, I was definitely happy with the uh, with the uh, company. So, uh, I imagine this is probably going to be just as well. It's called the SimTac Five from Complex C O M P L X SimWorks on the Etsy store. Yeah, I made the same mistake as you, Mike. I thought this was a wheel because the product they're promoting, they set behind the wheel. So uh, it was just threw me off for a bit. Even today, looking at it again, I thought we were looking at a wheel. But I uh, know Brian's right. We're looking at the dash behind the wheel. Um, yeah, good stuff. I went to the Etsy shop, Brian. Uh, they do have a lot of good, good product in there. So something else on my wheel project I haven't really planned was I currently have a, a 3D printed Etsy product to hold my Samsung Galaxy smartphone on top of the DD1 Fanadec wheel. So obviously that'll go away and I, I, you know, I'd like to continue to use the Samsung phone as the display, but now I need to figure out something that's gonna fit on the Simicube uh, versus the Fanatec. So I don't know if I wanna buy an entire separate display. I kind of like the idea of using a cell phone, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna keep this on my short list. How often do you look at your cell phone display when you're racing? <laughs> a little bit, but I, I think it's the peripheral vision of it. Uh, when when you, you get into the red line and it's revving and it goes red, or if the blue flag is, is flying and the thing is flashing blue, I mean, you get it in the peripheral. Now, I'm not really looking at it, but I'm seeing it peripherally, if, you, if that's a word. Nope, makes sense. Okay, Donnie, how about this wheel, a 3D printed wheel from HTEC? Yeah, we just looked at some spectacular wheels uh, earlier on, but this is uh, HTEC Sim, I believe out of England, uh, but they're announcing their newest 100% uh, 3D print uh, printable DIY wheel. Um, so you can go to their website at htechsimulator.com. I'm, I'm assuming download all the material or... Um, uh, files you'll need to to print this out yourself, but I don't. Maybe they sell the button packs as well, because if you're going to print this all yourself, uh, they got to. I guess this, I'm assuming they're going to come out with um, give you a pack that you install this with. Yeah, it says seven pounds uh, is how much it cost for the the plans, and then you can buy the paddle shifter and the clutch pieces separately. So are the buttons 3D printed too? That's the way I read it when he says 100 percent you know, do it yourself 3D printed. It does say 100%. I mean, you have a, you're gonna have a, a board inside there with the screen. So I'm curious if they sell that as a package as well that you have to throw in there, or they just give you links on where to buy the stuff yourself. 
It is interesting. So if you have a 3D printer, you might want to look at this stuff. You know, after this thing's all said and done, and I'm because you guys always say you never stop going. So once this is built and I'm happy with it, I do have a 3D printer sitting in the back over there, my, my left shoulder here. Wouldn't mind giving something like this a go just to see how far I can get with it. Yeah, for seven bucks. I mean, why not? It'd be a fun little weekend experiment, right? Probably six months. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> So you kick it off and wait six months to print. <laughs> then you lose interest and you're you're driving on your fifteen hundred dollar wheel instead. The printing stuff's a lot harder than uh, than it looks. And it all takes right, Steve, how about a, all right, Steve? How about a rig review? Yeah, looks like uh, this guy took his car apart and put it in his living room. It's kind of neat looking though. If uh, if you're driving a Logitech car, I guess. Um, looks like he's got a Logitech G29 and Logitech pedals and Logitech shifter, but uh, it's clean looking if uh, you want to drive your family car around, I guess. Yeah, it's very clean looking, but does that seat have flex in it? I bet it does. Wow, it's the entire dash, surround, console, the, you know, the, the vents, the stereo, the turn the air conditioning on and off buttons, everything. Uh, the little center console to put your drink in. Uh, yeah, craftsmanship's on point here. I mean, it looks like he just plucked this out of a car, put it in his living room. Uh, the footprint is bigger than I'd like, but um, yeah, Steve, you're right. It's 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 pretty dang clean, and he's got to put a lot of thought into this. The only thing's missing is a screen, a monitor. Yeah, there's no monitor. Maybe he's VR. I don't see a computer or anything. Pretty cool. It's kind of a different look, you know. I mean, it looks clean. It, you know, you, you wouldn't be ashamed to, you know, have that in, li in your living room, probably. All right, I'll take this one. The Next Level Racing GT Elite review. Now, Next Level Racing's cockpits are pretty cool. This is their Elite one, the uh, lesser expensive one uh, over their premium one. And what makes it that way? For one is the upright are a, a pretty tall upright and it, you know, to accommodate people of different sizes and, 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 and whatnot. And that was the big thing on this review was, Hey, the cockpit's great, except man, these uprights are so darn big. They stick up and they literally block, you know, your vision of the screen a little bit. Yeah. I'd take my saws all cut those babies down so it wasn't sticking down. in my face they put the logo there where you would cut <laughs> yes i was just looking at that um but it looks like the screen's a little lower than it probably should be in the back behind the the mo or the engine or the the wheel but uh yeah those uprights in the way are kind of weird i go back and forth with these next level rigs um i like them i don't like them um i don't know where i sit with them you know this is the rig that, or the good one that they put out is the one that really got me started on, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy new stuff because I love the look of it. I love that those uprights are at an angle. I don't know why, this looks fast, it looks sleek, it looks racy, I don't know. It's got a good look to it, Donnie. I think that's why you can't put your finger on it because it looks good, but the functionality of it, I mean, especially this one with those tall, uprights that kind of stick up in your way yeah i don't know i think it's, I think it's a little short too 
as far as like I'm six foot five, I think I don't know that I'd even fit in that thing. You yeah. might be okay with their better uh, cockpit, not this uh, cheaper one. What cockpit do you do you race in now? Um, I've got the one track racer from Australia. GR one sixty. Yeah, the one sixty series. But my seats all the way. I mean, my seats all the way back to to the end of, to the back of the rig. So, one thing I did really like about this one was the uh, seat adjustment. It was kind of slick how they did that. I like that part of it. Yeah, and they also have these hash marks on the uh, eighty twenty little marks. You know, like a like on a ruler. You know, inches on a ruler uh, to help you align everything. Uh, you know, to make sure, you know, oh, you know, the left side's on the third mark. I'll put the right side on the third mark, you know, and, and kind of thing. And and that would have been real handy on my SimLab P1X because I actually got my uprights. Uh, one of them's one or two or three millimeters uh, further back than the other one. And it's made the wheel base twisted just a hair and I because I didn't get it perfectly right. Yeah, I agree. I, I think there was... I think they, they're kind of on the right track here. I mean, I really like the way the thing was boxed because, I mean, when I got mine, it came in like 40 different boxes and, you know, stuff was scratched and there was I've bolts that, who knows, they're between here and Australia somewhere. I mean, I was lucky I had purchased purchased extra stuff because I didn't know how this stuff went together. So I, I was okay when I got it, but the boxing was really nice on this. And there's, you know, everything, the way everything is packaged and all the nuts and the bolts and everything was, was really well done. Just, you know, I mean, it's a little expensive too. It's like 1,347 pounds for for uh, the whole setup with the monitor stand and the seat and the rig so you're spot on the packaging in one box is is needed because of their distribution you can buy these through amazon you can buy these through uh micro center and other places like that yeah my rigs come in in eight boxes they told me so i'm excited for that yeah, they come UPS, Post Service, FedEx. <laughs> they come every way. Okay, with that, we're going to move to results. Let's talk the NASCAR iRacing Series. And it was the Friday Open Roval. David Hall, he got a P9. First half of the race was more fun as I had uh, close by drivers. Greg Hectus wrecked out. My race, I qualified P4. I eventually cycled to the lead through green flag stops. I ended up spinning on my own once, lost about eight seconds of track position, and fell back to fifth. I gradually made my way back up to P2. At that point, the leader was 10 seconds ahead of me. I drove up to within six seconds of the leader by the end. P2! I can't believe the roll I I won it, and then I got a P2. So I got a first and a second. Damn. That's awesome. Good job, Mike. <laughs> Who would have thought, right? Yeah, you are the road king still, aren't you? I guess I am now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That was it for the roll yes, yes. A solid week running. That's good. I can't tell if that's a oh, okay. crown or a halo above your head in the video here. All right, let's move on to Vegas. Wednesday open. David Hall wrecked in an unavoidable 
uh, now down from 4,000 to 3,300 I rating. That's crazy. Uh, looks like Kyle, teammate Kyle, um, finished P5, started in seventh place and fell back fast. Bought a loose car until about lap 70, and then the missile came alive and it was just on rails. Worked my way back from mid 20s to finish in the top five. Tom Dryling, uh, he was running with Kyle as well. Tom was on a, a, a rocket ship last night. He had no problem with the set. He was fast, he was leading laps. He was up front there with Kyle, actually in front of Kyle. And then right near the end, I believe Tom lost it all by himself and spun. And and uh, I don't know where he ended up finishing. Did he lose it out of four, do you remember? Out of two, I think. All right, and then Tony Rochette, a pee shitty race. Had a horrible set, was just loose all over. With 25 to go, my car wasn't the only thing that was loose. My stomach was a rumbling and I just couldn't hold it. So I pitted and got out of the rig in record speed. That was fun. That hasn't happened yet. I've only been doing this two years, you guys much longer. Have you had to quit a race to go take care of some business? I haven't done that, no. no only me, apparently I Tony has. I've only had to go kill a snake for my wife once. <laughs> All right. All right, my race, P13 super super loose the first run i ended up spinning and running dead last i eventually caught a caution but i was still struggling on every run uh, the race i ended up where i would spin and fall to the last car in the lead lap and with some carnage carnage near the end of the race i ended up getting a few more spots than up to p13 the set and I certainly did not agree last night. Um, the particular team set we were running, I, I couldn't drive it. I, I was wrecking maybe five, six times. Okay, moving on. Uh, Adam Jocelyn, I actually also ran with us. He uh, ended up getting wrecked out. Somebody, uh, he was on the outside. The guy on the inside came up into him and squeezed him to the wall. Steve Llewellyn also ran with us, and I believe he got wrecked out. All right, Thursday open. P11. This time I ran a totally different set and it was completely stable. Much, much better. Uh, we had only one caution on lap uh, 13. And at the time I decided to stay out because I wanted to save the set of tires. I thought it was too soon to pit. We only had tires for every 23 laps. So stayed out. But from that point forward, no cautions. At one point, I actually got shuffled uh, back to 24th, um, but I ended up driving it back up to 11th before we hit the first green flag stop. I stayed consistent through the second run and ended up running fourth before I had to pit again with about 15 to go for fuel and right side only. The car was really fast with two tires and I drove it back up from 11th uh, to 11th from 21st. I got screwed on that fuel strategy and I'm kicking myself for sure. So what happened is the people that pitted on the caution on lap 13, they could make it the whole way on one more stop. And I had to stop twice. And so those guys ended up winning the freaking race. Did you go a lap down? No. The car was fast. And, and you know what? I want to mention two tires. Back in the day in Gen 6, you were dead, dead, dead if you took two tires. You were dead. I mean, you 
It was the worst move in the world to take two tires. But in this car, mm, it worked. And now I did it at the roll hole multiple times. I was only taking right. But then I tried it here at Vegas and I was shocked. I was like, wow, I'm running as fast as I was running, you know, with four brand new tires. And my lefts had, you know, 50 uh, laps on them. Um, so I was really, really pleasantly surprised at how well two lap, two tires were. Did you check out after the race to see what your wear was on the left sides? I didn't, but uh, that would have been something to look at for sure. Yeah, it looks like Tony Rochette, fin uh, he finished P6. He said he ran in a better set and made sure he went to the bathroom before the race. He led laps early, but tightness settled in before the first pit stop. Made adjustments and was just cruising when somebody decided he wanted to turn right across his nose and put him in the wall. A little bit of damage hindered him being up front, so he'll, he said he settled for a sixth place finish. He's got away with words. <sighs> I'm trying my best. I want. I wonder what his his uh, parrot, what his parrot's words are all the time, talking behind him. He's picking up something on bat, huh? <laughs> I'm sure he is. All right, let's talk other racing. I ran Chris McGuire hosted Kia Optima at Daytona P2. Oh man, that was fun. Then we had the 87 cars and the Porsche Rough Cup car at Talladega. And I ended up wrecked out of that. Now that was interesting. The, the, the Porsche cars would take off and leave the 87s at the, at the, at the start. But once we got up to speed, the 87s would catch them. And then when we caught them, we were all the same speed. So it was actually a really good match uh, to those two cars. Uh, then we ran the car of tomorrow, Gen 5 at Talladega, which is a uh, cup car with no restrictor plate. Uh, you go 250 miles an hour, it's crazy. I got wrecked out. All right, Donnie, be open. Yeah, last night was, um the be open race in Vegas. Uh, started 16th, finished P18. Uh, more than I think about it, we had the one caution, it was a 90 lap race, but there were other incidents that probably warranted a caution that weren't thrown. So somewhere throughout the race, race control uh, went out to lunch. Um, and from that moment on, when they didn't call that caution, when three or four cars were sideways across the track, uh, things got a little weird. I mentioned earlier about that restart. Um, so kind of after I got going and I made adjustments to my car, I was probably, P12, P12 speed, uh, but P18 because of that funky restart towards the end, we're never able to catch back up for obvious reasons. Uh, the pro did finish right above me in 17th, but he had the same deficit I had. But that is fun. Uh, this series, though, you'll take four tires and you'll make up for it. So. All right, and then Kyle Pendigraf, teammate, has some information here. He wants us to read off. He says the iRacing iRock Challenge Series Season 5 don't forget about the Rovo League Season 1. We're running recruitment races Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, and Sunday night, same time. Coming down the pipe is the IROC Dirt Series Season 1. Details are being worked out now. And the IROC Challenge Series Season 6 is about to kick off, and stakes couldn't be higher. If you want to get involved, reach out to Kyle Pindigraf. All right, final thoughts. Brian McCubbin. Uh, spill a little bit of a rough week for me. I got I got the Rona on Thursday when I was tra traveling. Wound up laying in bed for two and a half days and feeling better now. But I'm ready to get back in the racing. Um, 
Yeah, so not a whole lot else going on. Um, I do miss that I was – I missed last week's show, and uh, I wish I was here for the finale of that late model series because I really wanted to get into that. Um, if, if you recall, um, um, Evan C. was going for an unprecedented season where he was finishing the top two the entire season and then wound up getting – disqualified from the final race suspended really for intentional wrecking and that really bothered me i didn't think i mean he he did intentionally wreck him don't get me wrong but it was after long battles where he was being wrecked by the other guy in front of him and uh you know i was i was all planning to watch that race and see this guy go for an unbelievable season and he wasn't in the race and i was little disappointed with that if if he wrecked a guy for no good reason and uh you know was just trying to to win a race and just didn't care about the other guy on the in the in that instance then i would have let i wouldn't have, i would have been happy with the suspension but they were beating and battling for laps and laps and uh and i just didn't think that was a that was a fair penalty for the way that incident evolved so i was kind of disappointed they get to see him and I'm, I'm disappointed that evan didn't get a chance to close out that season so uh that's all i had for this week well the penalty didn't mean anything because he still won it right yeah he still had such a point lead that he could he, he didn't have to race whether he was penalized or not so penalty didn't really hurt him as far as becoming champion but it it kept him from getting that season where he finished first or second every race the whole season and i thought that was it would have been an amazing accomplishment that uh we didn't get to see happen yeah i don't think that deserved to be set you know have him sit out that was that's something okay donnie spiker final thoughts uh, not too much racing this week. I spent the um, weekend in Vegas uh, for a personal softball tournament. Uh, Monday, I hung out at the Sim Coach shop with Lawrence, and he just showed me around all the different projects they're working on, what they got, uh, what his plans are. Uh, when I f first went there in August, I asked him about if he's going to set up a booth for, for Vegas uh, this weekend. At that time, he had no plans. So since then, through the Discord, he's got a booth going now. Um, they've got canopies uh, made through the help of the Discord uh, channel, the Sim Coaches one. So they'll be out there Saturday, Sunday. So if anybody's listening and they listen to it in time and you're heading out to the Vegas race this weekend, uh, stop by the Sim Coaches uh, tent. They're going to have four simulators out there. Uh, they use my kid to size some. They're going to have a go-kart specific one uh, built for little kids uh, that could be turned into, once they grow out of it, it could be turned into a mid-size cockpit. Uh, so you're not wasting a ton of money if you buy a little uh, kid rig but other than that got to hear uh some fun stuff that uh he promised me i wouldn't i wouldn't tell anybody yet but but it's good stuff good place to to hang out on a monday all right that sounds like fun hanging out with lawrence all right and then steve thompson final thoughts yeah i haven't been able to race since uh talladega i missed this whole last week just been super crazy at work and i had uh some uh, schooling on uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, so I was hoping I was going to get done with that, but it was pretty intense. So, anyways, just waiting. Uh, hopefully, my 4090 card comes tomorrow, and next week I can guys tell you guys what it does or if it's worth buying or if I'm just stuttering the whole time. <laughs> a real-time review. Stuttering. All right, that's uh, the title idea. What? Uh, duh, duh. What? All right. Uh, my final thoughts. Yeah, I'm sick and tired of my wheel. I'm definitely going to buy a new one. Just kind of wait until my current credit cards are paid off before I order it again. 
but uh, put together a parts list, kind of getting excited about it, uh, trying to think through all the different scenarios to make sure I buy the right stuff and that kind of thing. So it's kind of fun to get into project mode again. Um, as far as racing goes, I mean, boy, I mean, the last two days really shows you what a set can make, you know, how a set can make a difference. Wednesday night, I can't even drive it. I can't drive it. I mean, I'm so freaking loose. I can't even hold on to it. I spin six times. I barely can even bring the car home. Try a different set the next day, stable as can be. Couldn't spin it out if I tried and uh, it ran really well. And if I had the fuel, right fuel strategy, probably had a top five car or even better. So I'm actually looking forward to Friday and uh, making sure I don't screw myself on the, on the fuel strategy. Um, I should be smarter than that by now. Um, but I just wasn't thinking. Uh, I got to think big picture, uh, even when it's a, a early, early caution. All right, and with that, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.